Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. This week, game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly will review a cooperative game and have a related design discussion. Hey everybody, welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. This is Mike, and I've got two awesome guests with me today. First, we've got from the main YouTube channel, Colin. Hello! And then from the main YouTube channel and also from his own channel, meet me at the table, the amazing Barrett. The amazing Barrett. Ah, greetings, Mike. It's good to be here. I haven't done too many of these with you, so it's super fun to do this again. Now, sadly, I see Colin all the time, but it's awesome to be able to do stuff with you, Mike. This is going to be fantastic. We, we all feel sad about the possibility of seeing Colin all the time. That's it's just a given. It's brutal. Let me tell you. <laughs> Colin doesn't even like seeing Colin all the time. I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we're going to be uh, doing a review of Sleeping Gods. That's why we got the uh, crew together, because uh, Colin did many playthroughs of it. Uh, he, do you, you let Baron borrow your copy, right, Colin? No, no, he had his own copy that oh he my. got himself. Oh, my gosh. Why, why are you all still buying games separately when you just trade them around anyway between the two of you? <laughs> this was before we yes. actually started doing that. So this is, I think, probably one of the last. It might have been close to one of the last ones we actually both backed because we weren't actually in this little, like, hey, why do I? Why are we both getting it? Kind Exactly. Of I don't think we fully, at this point, understood that we were so close together. And once we did, it was like, this is silly. So, yeah, all the games going forward, we essentially, except for Seventh Citadel, I think we each got our own so we can have our own campaigns going on that one i mean that one's pretty awesome and i know how much parent likes seventh continent so that makes oh sense. my gosh it's so good and it's just another adventure game so we're talking adventure games here that's another adventure game right up there i really like that one yeah i know that's got some similarities actually but yes we're gonna do sleeping gods and then at the end we're not gonna do a whole design discussion since peter's not here but we're gonna talk about uh, our thoughts on the new sleeping gods sleeping gods insert subtitle here because i don't remember what it's called <laughs> <laughs> uh, distant skies oh yeah i distant got it it's sleeping skies. gods distant skies isn't there that what it's called yeah, yeah that, that sounds right that sounds right yeah, it's close enough distant d- distant forbidden sky <laughs> <laughs> perfect uh yeah so we'll jump in in a second but first i do want to thank our amazing patreon supporters uh if you have not heard we uh, have a patreon uh yeah there it is and uh <laughs> Uh, besides a lot of other cool perks, uh, lately I've been doing, uh, mo- mostly me, but but some other people as well, I've been doing uh, two or more bonus videos every single month that you cannot see anywhere else. I have a top 10 list. Uh, something that I've been doing uh, a whole series of is I've been ranking every game I've played from specific companies. So I have like 48 games ranked from Fantasy Flight, like uh, 20 from Simon. I just did a Chip Theory, so I'm just kind of talking through every game I've ever played from the companies. So lots of uh, fun stuff on there and like bonus podcasts with uh, me and Peter. So uh, yeah, if you are are interested, feel free to support us. It helps to pay for the podcast, pay for the games we're covering, recording equipment, going to cons, all that important stuff. Uh, but of course, if it's a financial hardship for you, never worry about it. Uh, there are more important things in the world than uh, our YouTube channel and podcast and all that. But uh, yeah, we do appreciate the support. And this uh, week, I'd like to specifically thank uh, Yorel Nimni Avni, Abby Road, and Blue K., and what the heck, we've got a lot of uh, new ones, so I'll throw a few more names in. Worship Geek and Tim Sullivan. Urel, Abby, Blue, Worship Geek, and Tim. Uh, thank you to all five of you, and thanks to all our amazing supporters. You help us make all this stuff happen. But before we get into our uh, coverage of Sleeping Gods, uh, what have you all been playing recently? Colin, how about you? What, what's on your table right now? Oh, you know, Zaya. I, mean, yeah, just, I, I saw that. 
<laughs> yeah, I can't I can't stop playing Zaya Arkham Horror. I mean, those are the two that I'm really enjoying uh, right now from a campaign perspective. And then uh, my buddy uh, Brent has really got me into some fun Euros. So I've been playing some Concordia and I'm actually learning Terra Mystica, the solo for that one. So I'm excited to get that to the table and Foundations of Rome. That game is so overproduced and so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, I think by the time this publishes, you'll have had the playthrough up for about a week of that one. So that is great. And actually, your your Concordia video uh, inspired me to get Peter, who's played it before, to teach me. We didn't play the uh, the Solitaria or the co-op mode for it yet, but I thought the uh, competitive play was great. So I'm definitely interested to, to try that out if we can find the expansion. Oh, and it's super cheap. It's not expensive at all for the Solitario. Yeah, I, saw uh, it on, I saw it for like 20 on miniature markets. About didn't yeah. seem too bad. And my wife and I love it. It's great. It is a super good, fun experience for co-op, too. Two-player co-op. It's great. Yeah, it's awesome. I want to try it out. How about you, Barent? Uh, dungeon crawlers and more dungeon crawlers? Pretty much. I just recorded Bloodborne last night, or, or on Monday. That was pretty awesome. I, I was um, happy to see you play that again. That's one of my favorites. That's one of the few crawlers that's actually still in my collection. And is, I, I, I didn't remember whether you liked it that much. So it's cool that you were playing it again. Yes, it is super fun. I, I can't get enough of that game. I just don't get it to the table enough. And it was really cool because having this whole live thing, being able to paint and play games together, it's really been great to get the games painted so that I'm getting to play them. So it's really actually inspired me to get a lot of games that I wouldn't normally have gotten to the channel as often as I do back to it. Um, I also did some Bard Song, which was pretty cool. I, I'm I'm a fan of that game. I like that one. I also just got done recording Contra, thanks to Colin being able to let me borrow his copy. Nice. That was you know, it's unpainted. Yep, even though it's unpainted, I actually made fun How of it. How dare you? How dare you? I know. Come on. I made fun of him. I said, okay, this guy's got two guns. He's not painted. Thanks, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's really, I think that's all that I've really been. No, no, that, that's, a, that's a nice uh, little little slate there. And yeah, uh, everyone, if you don't have not seen, uh, Berent, uh, just like we've got our streaming channel, Berent started doing uh, some live videos on Meet Me at the Table. So definitely go check out uh, his YouTube channel for some awesome stuff over there. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I'm doing playthroughs and actually some painting videos too. Actually, it's pretty cool. I actually have really been enjoying that aspect of the, of, uh, the creative process. Someone who actually paints their own miniatures most of the time, instead of sending them somewhere else. N- not that that's anyone I know. Wait, what are you talking about? I may have just gotten all my Return to Dark Tower back that's been painted. <laughs> oh my gosh. Those miniatures are incredible. The monsters. Uh-huh. They look 71 of them. They look amazing. Oh my just gosh, ridiculous. They're, they're fantastic. Yeah, so I yeah, can't wait to show them. Remember how I talked about the Patreon? Literally all the money just goes to Colin's uh, painting <laughs> habits. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Yeah, do it like Baron. So I, I I get Bill involved, and he's amazing. Yeah. So, so everyone, if you like seeing painted playthroughs, just you know, p- pony up here. Like <laughs> Colin needs, Colin needs his. Uh, <laughs> I need my painted minis. I need them. Uh, it's all Baron's fault too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as for me, I just got paint the roses. Uh, the the delivery of that. That's the cooperative uh, deduction game. Uh, my family adored that one. They were so sad when I had to send my prototype away. So they are overjoyed that it's back. I've played it uh, already like six times since I've gotten it like two days ago. Um, I just got my Kickstarter pledge of Sakura Arms, which is a competitive uh, 1v1 brawler. Uh, it's not originally designed by Level 99, but they're the ones who did the US distribution this time. But uh, I'm finishing up a solo variant for it because I apparently have to do a solo variant for every Level 99 <laughs> fighting game. <laughs> Um, so that's just about done. I should be doing a playthrough on the channel of that. Uh, maybe by the time this is up, it might already be on it. It depends on how well it goes. I'm going to show it to some of my friends who work for level 99 since they know the game better and make sure it's kind of like put through its paces. Um, 
And then I've been playing, uh, the last one is Viticulture. I got the Viticulture World uh, solo co-op expansion. <sighs> and I never played it? Viticulture before, so I can't speak to how it like changes the game that much. But I like it a lot. You know, is it is it the pinnacle of Euro co-op? No, but it, it's got way more variety than, for example, uh, one of your favorites, uh, Colin, Orleans uh, Invasion. Yes, yeah. Like this one has like eight or seven, seven pretty different scenario, like kind of packs you add on. Oh, um, again, sweet. by the time you're listening to this, there's probably already a video. I'm planning to do it next Tuesday. So this <laughs> might be old news. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it uh, quite a lot. Um, the solo works really well. The bot is kind of cool. It's like sort of like a bot that helps you but also blocks up spaces. So they get kind of that worker placement feel in there. So it's pretty clever. And then the co-op is good too. So yeah, uh, those are the ones I've been playing recently, but all of us, not so. did any of us play sleeping gods recently? <laughs> no, no. Barents, did, did you sneak in a play that we didn't know about? I have not. It's, it's been, it's been on my shelf since I think we did our recordings. I did take it out and play it with my wife. We played through one set of the cards for those who haven't played it. We'll probably explain the game later, but I went through one of the sets of cards with her. We enjoyed it, but we didn't get a chance to get back to it. Yep. So, so I think all of us are, are remembering our thoughts on this. So hopefully we have some clear idea of how we felt about it, but uh, yeah, with, with the new version that just, I think finished its crowdfunding campaign, we just wanted to kind of get our thoughts on record for it. Sleeping God. So, uh, yeah, I guess uh, the narrative of this one is that, without spoiling too much, because it is a very story-based game, uh, your crew of uh, boat people in, like, the 1920s, I guess it was, right? Boat people. Uh, that's boat a term. People. Boat people. Like, <laughs> I've never heard people called boat people before, I, I but I similar. love it. <laughs> I'm talking, like, some kind of, like, you know, like, nomadic tribe that just lives on the boats. <laughs> These boat people. <laughs> boat boat people. In this world. <laughs> We are from the land of 10,000 lakes, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we live on boats, actually. Yep, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you, you're, you're teleported to another world where there are sleeping gods, and you're trying to get back home. That's that's the basic idea. And as for the uh, kind of mechanics, um, you're moving around on this almanac with, like, pages um, that show maps, and you can stop on these spaces with uh, numbers and explore them and sort of a choose-your-own-adventure style uh, mechanic. You're also managing your crew members and like tiring them out as you do skill checks and stuff. And then uh, sometimes you go into combat, which is sort of like this, uh, you know, sort of like uh, pattern based combat system. All of this I'm sure you'll hear about as we get into our thoughts. But that's like the basic idea. You're kind of like doing a mix of like map movement, resource management, choose your own adventure and like every once in a while combat. Yeah, and there's a goal. The goal of the game is to collect as many totems as possible. So there is a, a generic goal, but you don't really know where the totems are. You don't know what they do, and you don't know how many you're trying to collect. You're just trying to find as many as you can. And how you do that is by exploring the map, doing adventures and encounters. Yeah, you go on an adventure. You go on an adventure, a.k.a. adventure game. Thank you, Baron. So Baron coming through with the clutch uh, definitions just in time. As always. <laughs> so adventure games. This Bar- but, you know, Bar- Baron, Colin was like, hey, can Baron be on the episode too? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure about that Baron guy. But I'm so glad you did be that. without you, Barrett. Where would we be without you? No one would have known this is an adventure game. Oh, oh, need my knowledge. You need my knowledge. <laughs> I, am key. I am key to this. Oh, you, you are. You are. All right. Uh, so we're going to get into our thoughts. Uh, if you don't uh, know uh, at this point, <laughs> I don't know how you would it, but on the podcast and in uh, my reviews on the YouTube channel, we do uh, five points, five uh, things we think are important to know about the game. 
Uh, they could be positives, negatives, or a mix. And we're just going to go through those, and then we'll give our final thoughts at the end. So um, let's start with Berndt. You know, words of wisdom is dripping from every <laughs> orifice. <laughs> that sounded weird. That sounded weird. I apologize, <laughs> podcast listeners. <laughs> I mentioned the word orifice anymore. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, with my name in the sentence. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's especially bad. That's right. Uh, Barrett, what, what's your number five for Sleeping Gods? Uh, so my number five is the co-op system. Um, I've played this uh, two different ways, solo and co-op, and the solo is fine, but it can be overwhelming if you're not used to it. The co-op is great, but it really can't go past two, which is kind of, so it's kind of a mixed bag of tricks here. I, I did enjoy playing it. I think it was one of the greatest experiences was when Colin and I, I think for three days straight, we played this game and got all the way through it over the two days. I don't remember. It was, it was an exci- exciting experience and we had a great time doing it. We it, The only part about it is that during co-op, you can only do uh, things with these command tokens and you use these command tokens to do things on your turn or then you can use them to activate your characters on your co-op friend's turn now with more than two people it gets a little overbalanced or underbalanced i should say or something because i know colin had an experience like this so i think playing co-op with two people is great but i think if you go over it's not and if you don't have command tokens the co-op part kind of starts to dwindle and you just kind of sit there while the other guy's doing something in the game. I don't know if anybody's experienced this. I mean, other than Colin and I, uh, so and that, I, mean, I, I agree a hundred percent with you, <laughs> but finish your point, Baron. Yeah. So this is, this is my number five is that the co-op system's great and it's really fun to play with another person. Cause you can pass the book back and forth and read to each other and they have to make these decisions inside this storybook. But when you don't have the command tokens to help each other out, it can kind of get a little, you don't get that co-op awesomeness. Yeah, this is this is uh, the rare game. <laughs> and by the way, I like this game a lot. This is this is going to sound like a terrible dig, but it's not supposed to be that bad. This is the rare game where I don't think there is a best player count. I think every player count has major issues. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's true. But I would say that the positives of certain player counts can outweigh the negatives at certain levels. Yes. But uh, you know, because I agree with you totally on that. I mean, this is funny. This is my 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 number five was player count and was an absolute negative. Yeah. So I I literally said every player count, just like what you said, except for two player for me. Two player was the sweet spot. One player, it's great because you just boom, 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 doing your turns. You go, it goes nice and quick. But you've got nine characters that you can use as a resource, and you basically use those characters as resources. You're not individually acting each character. You're going to be using them for their attributes or using them as their for their weapons or whatever they have on them. Uh, but they don't have their own miniature. They're, they're not doing decisions that are different than other crew members. So that's helpful for solo. But golly, the, just the cards everywhere and, and doing that solo was overwhelming. Fun, but overwhelming. Uh, two player with Baron, I felt like was absolutely perfect because just like Baron was saying, whenever you do an encounter, you have one person to read and then you go into combat, you do whatever it is and you're always involved together. That's great. The three and four player, you run out of those command tokens almost instantly. And then you're sitting there and then you can have encounters that last, you know, 10 to 15 minutes long. And that's for one person's turn. And so for that one person's turn, uh, you're doing absolutely nothing. You're just sitting there and act or passively listening, listening, which is fine if that's what you're into. Your group might be into that. My group was certainly not. We did. So I played two times fully through and then we played uh, with four people one and a half times through the event deck. And then after that, we just stopped. We just couldn't. They weren't interested anymore. It just was not working. Um, so to me, you play this game two player. If you can, one player is still okay. Don't even think about three or four player. 
Yeah, it actually reminds me a lot of a another kind of similar game that you, you and I both covered, Colin, which is uh, Role Player Adventures. Yes. You know, that one I oh. also think just kind of like this shared story. You're all moving through the same place. Role Player Adventures has more of a feel of an individual character, but still not a ton because you're kind of just like resource pools <laughs> for dealing with like uh, dice puzzles. So, yeah, I feel like both those are better at one or two, but I totally agree that this one is like really unwieldy. I'll talk about that more uh, later on my list. Uh, but my number five is something very different. Uh, maybe it'll show up later for you all. And that is uh, moving around on the Almanac. And this was a mix for me. So uh, on the positive side, I think the Almanac, where like you kind of are looking at these maps, I think it's beautiful. I think it gives this feeling of this uh, epic you know, fantasy world that you're exploring. And sometimes I thought the feeling of exploration was very exciting. Because like a quest, the quests love to give you kind of vague references to where you go, or you'll get like little rumors like, hey, I heard at the the pillars that this thing is happening. It's like, ooh, I should go to those pillars. The positive side is that, that I, I think moving around is interesting. I think exploring is interesting. I think it's beautifully brought to life, this world. The negative side, I don't know how many times you all ran into this, but <laughs> I found those clues very vague, and I often got into a very frustrating like, oh, let's spend, like, three of my precious turns doing all this, like, downtime, like, bureaucracy crud to move my ship and, like, deal with my stuff and pick which, like, section of the ship I'm on. Oh, whoops, that was the wrong pillar. I just got a nothing entry. Oh, let's move to this other one. Oh, whoops, that was the wrong pillar. I got this nothing. Oh, oh, this is the right one, but I didn't realize I had to go somewhere else before I went here. So let's trek back halfway across the map. So <laughs> I had a lot of uh, frustration points with the movement of the exploration not all the time, but when they crept up, they were very frustrating. It reminded me um, most of, uh, of a game like this most recently. It reminded me most of Tainted Grail. Like that game can be really awesome when you're going the right way, but when you get lost, when you don't know where to go, when you're uh, when you're backtracking, it is uh, definitely, at least for me, a, a high pain point in the play experience. So a bit of a mixed bag for me. I can see that. I uh, I did like the fact that when I did go to a new place and it wasn't where I was supposed to go, the cool thing was you usually were experiencing something new that again, now you're adding more to what you're supposed to be doing. So it gave you a sense of everywhere you go, you are actually getting something. Yes, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Want, which <laughs> in Tainted Grail, I could totally see where if you are going the wrong way, all of a sudden you're just, you're almost the seventh continent. If you're like, oh, maybe this quest goes off this way. And all of a sudden you spent like, I don't know, one whole video going in the wrong direction. <laughs> and then Damn. another video coming back. Oh, is, wait, is this personal experience Barrett? it might be personal experience and i might have done that <laughs> i've definitely done that in seventh continent many times it's like oh because they also have vague clues they're like hey go to the ice and i'm like there's like 16 different tiles with ice on them seventh continent tell me which one <laughs> give me some details and i do know i do notice that uh later in the play if you play it again and more and more i think you'll come to realize kind of how the system works i might talk about that a little bit a little bit later but it can be frustrating if you're not sure where to go and then you keep on trying to get there all right, Baron. So I want you to tell us about your number four. My number four. Okay, this kind of is a little, like, it kind of combines a whole bunch of little, little stuff together here. So I kind of wanted to talk about the combat puzzle because that's a really cool thing that I like about it. But they're also, again, it's a little mixed bag thing. And it kind of goes along with the whole kind of character usage and when to use characters and how to use characters and the boat, kind of the whole idea of using all the different 
things at your disposal and whether or not they're good, it's a good thing or a bad thing. The combat puzzle is pretty cool, but I haven't have noticed that a lot of times you go in with your first attack with somebody when they get counterattack that usually pretty much wipes them off for a while until you get to a place where you can heal them because they take a whole ton of damage until you can get other people in there to start removing different parts of the way the thing attacks you. So for those that haven't played it before, when you do go into combat you're trying to place things onto these cards to prevent damage from coming back to you and also killing bosses at the same these monsters at the same time and you have a lot you have to put on there and usually the first attack you don't get a lot to be able to put on there to be able to count to prevent as much of the damage coming in at you so in essence one of your characters usually goes down but it's not permanently you can get them back uh, but in the flip side also it has to do with being able to use your people and you have to keep placing tokens on these people and you don't know when and how to use them. And did you use them for the right thing? And honestly, I thought the boat was almost not really that important. I only went to like, I think two places on the boat ever. Most of the time, there wasn't really too many other places to go because one gave you extra command tokens, which if you can't tell is like the lifeblood of this game. And the other one, I think like you were able to heal people or something, or I think it was about the only two places I think I ever kept going. You can never go to the same place twice. So I always had to keep going back and forth to the two places that gave me the most command tokens. That's all I ever did. So basically the whole token system, the way you're using things in this game, I thought was pretty cool. But I'm hoping they get it, they improve on the situation that you're able to put yourself in. Yeah, you know, Baron. Well, I'll get more to combat later, so I'll uh, talk about that too. <laughs> um, but totally agree with you. The combat, I would say, has a positive and a negative side. Well, okay, uh, I'm about to talk about that. So uh, why don't I jump in now? I'll go out of order. Yeah, so my, my number four was just focus on the combat. You kind of touched on a few other things that are going to come up later for me, Baron, like the ship uh, actions and such. Uh, I, I had the combat as a pro. Because, so, it's a pro with, like, some caveats. I did find the puzzle consistently interesting. It didn't happen so, so often that it annoyed me. But, yeah, so I I liked the combat. I thought it was a fun puzzle. That's the pro side. And, again, I'm kind of calling this a pro. But um, I did feel like I was using the same characters, the same, kind of like your ship action thing, Barrett. I felt like the same characters, like, had the best actions. Um, You know, missing was not really that exciting. And... Even though it was infrequent and even though I enjoyed it, it still kind of felt like a distraction and like, hey, we added this other thing on. Have fun with this combat every once in a while when you aren't playing the actual game. <laughs> you know, like here's it's like a side puzzle, mini puzzle. Yeah, exactly. a mini puzzle in the and, game. and it was one I enjoyed. But so, so I think here's the big test. I enjoyed the combat. I thought it was a cool puzzle. If there was no combat in the game, I think I might enjoy the overall game more. Hmm. And yet I called it a pro, so maybe I'm lying. But <laughs> no, it's a, it's such a hard balance, I think. And and you know, I'm I'm just gonna talk about it now because I feel like it fits with everything you guys are talking about. The challenge of these games is how much you want to and and role player adventure almost went the opposite way in a way. You know how much you want to uh, delve into the story and how much you want to have these. Uh, encounters or these, you know, combat experiences that kind of separate you from the game and let you do some puzzly, uh, you know, determination. And then because of how combat happens, you then have to go back to port, you have to heal, you have to do these other things that then doesn't allow you to experience the whole game because you're spending time doing these mundane things of going to port, spending coins to heal all your characters and getting rid of weekend and getting, you know, and then you get them healed up and then you go to the next encounter and all of a sudden there's another combat. So you go do the puzzle, then everyone's hurt again. So you go back to port and you do this and it, and it slows down. And I think they might've done that uh, so that you do have replayability in the game because otherwise you could 
just explore the map much quicker. And this requires you to uh, do a little bit more of that resource management uh, um, with the unknown of combat. You don't know what you're going to go against when you go against them and you have the issues that you have to deal with. Then you have to go and deal with them before you can continue on with the storyline that your specific crew is going on. But the cool thing is when you do go to that port to heal your guys, usually again, I'm going to say something happens there and some, it might be kind of cool to see like. Well, but, but, but not the third area. time I've been to that port, Barrett. I never went to the same one. I would just oh, okay. go to a different one and be like, okay, my guys are hurt. I'm going to go over here because every map tile you, every part of the board you went to, whatever, no matter where you flipped to, usually had some kind of port on it. Generally, you had to deal with some sort of test to get there, though, because of the map. You might have to deal with damage or something because you have to move through there. And there's times where you just don't have the resources to deal with that. So then you got to go back to the same port because it's the one that's the closest and you don't have to go through. You know you know how you're moving through the map and there's different sections where if you move through it, you have to take damage unless you pass a test of five savvy, you know? Um, so that type of thing. You always, whenever going from one port to another, would have to go through at least one of those. True. But I know after at least your first play, you'll start figuring out how this all works. And I'll talk about that at some point too. Well, we just, all these points just keep flying around. So, all right, my point number four is an overall positive, and that is the replayability. And I do feel like, I mean, I've played the, the full campaign two times, played it and um, with four players about halfway through, and each time I've actually gone through totally different storylines. I have not gone to the same locations, and so I've had different events happen to me. And I think that for a campaign game like this, that's pretty amazing. Uh, they have so much content in there, and especially if you have the Tides of Ruin expansion and then the Dungeons expansions, uh, you are going to be set to be able to, if you love this game, to be able to get a good three-plus plays of the full campaign just going, okay, I'm going to go straight north on this one. I'm going to go east on this one. I'm going to go south on this one. I'll go west on this one, right? And that's the way you start, and then you kind of follow along those storylines, and we got to have totally different experiences. I think I found all, but I think there's like, there's about 15 more totems that I haven't found. Uh, so I have 15 more stories at a minimum that I haven't even seen in that game after two and a half, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, and I do also like that for the replayability perspective, that it isn't a campaign like journeys of middle earth where it's so long because the event deck isn't that long? So you can go through those three chapters, so to speak, pretty quickly. I mean, Barrett and I did it over three days. You know, we did one a, one chapter a day, and that worked really well. Uh, and so I like that that you can get a campaign feel. Yet uh, it's not so long that you feel like you're you know it's not Gloomhaven where you're coming back for scenario fifty nine. You know, uh, and so then when you start over with a new campaign, you can start over going a different way and finding more stories. So that was my number four replayability. Yeah, I'll be, t I'll be touching on that uh, in a moment. Baron, do you want to comment on replayability? Yeah, I'll talk about that later. Yeah, okay. I figured it, it seems like a kind of game that maybe you need to mention it. <laughs> so, Baron, uh, what's your number three? My number three actually is going to be, it, it's not a con per se, it's more of a balance issue. And that was that at each time you went through your deck, you would lose all your upgrades. I was not a fan of that, but I understand why they did it. And I'm hoping this is removed in the new one, or at least 
change. I, I believe it is. It is. That, that's going to be our little, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah, talk about and that. I believe it is too, from what I understand of seeing some of the uh, ways this game is coming about, but that really hurt. And especially, but the cool, the only time it was really cool was the first time it happened. Cause all of a sudden you're like, Oh my gosh, but I just did all those things to get my guys to this point. But then after it happened once, every other play I did, I'm just kind of like, okay, so do I really want that? Because I know I'm going to lose it after a certain point. And I really want to spend the resources to get that on my guy to help me with these kind of things. So it was, and, and it really, and usually by the time you got to your third deck, those were almost inconsequential because by that time you had these runes. You had these with uh, the, what do you call them? They Were they runes? What, what am I looking for? Totems, thank you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Get the runes. Nope, totems. Oh yes, totems. But by the time you got those totems, you had enough in your arsenal there with the totems and a lot of the other items you had that by that time you're blowing things out of the water most of the time at that point, unless you're finding something absolutely out of control. So I think it was neat how things scaled, but then it always kept unscaling and unscaling. And then there was near the end had a balance issue. That was just my opinion of it, but I don't know. Well, that that, that uh, both of you, it's like uh, you're you're just combining to form Voltron because uh, <laughs> that, that that's my number three, sort of a combo, and I called it a mix because of this. Uh, so it is about the replay and the quests. Uh, so I, I you didn't mention this specifically, Colin, but I really like the overall quest system, um, how they use like uh, keywords to kind of like check what you've done in the past. I think it works really smoothly. You know, lots of games have done this. Role player adventures after we reviewed uh, this one did this as well, um, but. I think it works really smoothly here. And I think uh, now I, I do hate that. Uh, <laughs> I wish they had given me like a reasonable piece of paper or something to like mark what keywords I had. Cause when you're digging through like 40 cards to be like, uh, which, which, uh, okay. Am I, am I, am alphabetical I arcane? order, man, alphabetical oh. order. Oh yeah. That's the only way to do it. But yeah. So <laughs> write them down on the map. You're supposed to just write things down all over your book. Oh, I'm sure. 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 And yeah, I mean, and that that goes to a general fiddliness that I'll discuss more later, like a lot of fiddliness in this game. Uh, but I still think it's a cool system for like how the game sort of pays forward, like what you've done and the choices you've made and what you've experienced. I really like that. I thought the quests were generally pretty engaging, but the replay was a bit more of a mixed bag for me. I, I totally agree with what you said, Colin. I played through about one and a half campaigns and also felt like while I had seen like many of the core bigger kind of tied together plot threads. I definitely had been missing tons of side quests and like cool adventures I could have. Um, I also felt like I kind of saw like the gist of where many of the endings were going, but there were still a lot of endings to experience. So I appreciated all that. But the, the thing that knocks replay down for me is not the quest is not the amount of content, but it's exactly what you said, Berent. I felt like as interesting as it was to play another time and go a different direction and get different side quests and all of that. Um, I did not like at all the kind of grind of leveling up and then losing it all and grinding a level up and then losing it all over and over and over again in a single campaign. So I, I don't know about you guys, but when I was playing my second full campaign, it, 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 I was kind of done with it. I was like, I don't, I don't want to level up at all in this game. Like, I just don't have any interest in this. And it felt like I was doing the same things. felt like I was getting the same upgrades. Um, not with the items as much. Like, I'll talk about those later, but with like the character kind of upgrade things and then losing them. So yeah, I, I felt like the I felt like the game got a little grindy, not in the quest content I was experiencing, but in the uh, in some of the other like aspects, mainly the leveling system. Definitely can see that. I definitely, yeah. I uh, it's hard because I will say that the third time that we played it, I was like, I don't recommend that we do the. You know how at the end of each chapter you have a story thing that happens and we just skipped those. You know, I didn't feel like there was any benefit for him. 
Well, and you see them, and they get repetitive, yeah. and and they're also, uh, you know, the, the, uh, no spoilers, but they might involve some other things we talked about that we don't always love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we just kind of we're just, yeah, just going to go buy it, and uh, that definitely helped. But still, with four players, it just wasn't working. <sighs> All right. So, do we do your number three, Colin? Did I skip you? Uh, I don't think anyone's done number three. I think you just started number three. Oh shoot! No, back to number three. Yes, yeah, so we skipped you because I got confused by the order. So yeah, you, you can do your number three. Okay, well, I don't know how I missed that. My number three it was a positive, as, uh, and I have it as the multi-use cards. I really like the Fate deck. Uh, the decision space, although, as you guys have been hammering it, which is true, the decision space is do I keep that card in my hand and then just use it to help with tests? So every Fate card, you're going to draw a Fate card uh, usually when it's your turn when you do a boat action. Uh, you'll draw one, two, or zero sometimes of these fake cards, and you hold them in your hand. And you can—that's one thing that you can actually do cooperatively and not have to spend command—is to play those on other people's tests, which was great. That was the one thing that was really helpful with the four-player game. That at least we could do that part without command. Uh, but you have this choice of. Do I want to use this? Because it's got one of the type of test symbols on the card. And so you can spend it when someone's doing a test. And it's after they've revealed their fate card. So you don't know if they're going to pass or not. Then they reveal a fate card. And you might see, oh, they're going to, they're missing by one. You can play one of your cards to then make yourself or that person pass, which is great. And I think that's cool. You can also then spend a certain command points to actually upgrade your character temporarily. Uh, but a lot of the, so, you know, since, since those things are, we, we lose them after each chapter, what we would tend to gear towards were ones that were discard abilities that were really powerful because a lot of them had discard abilities of, Hey, add plus two accuracy to your weapon or Hey, add plus two damage to your weapon. And so we would make sure to slot those ones in for our characters that we knew we were going to discard them anyways. And although we are talking about that, the ability cards you discard, you do have to remember that you do have XP in the game and you have permanent upgrades that you get to choose each time you play too. And that is cool. And you have to go to a port to do it. You spend your XP and then those things never go away. And that's cool. And, and I think that that's why though, as you said, Mike, <laughs> when you're second time playing, you're like, why would I level up? I mean, why would I put these ability cards on them? I'll just level my characters up because those things won't go away. <laughs> and instead, I'll just use the ability cards for whatever, um, but I'm not going to put them on my character. So we just ended up focusing on ones that you would discard for a cool effect and then uh, make sure to get those XP cards that would stay from chapter to chapter. So I, I also, well, last part about the, the multi-use fake cards, I did really like that they had a distribution of them. So it wasn't just even distributions of one through six for the fate numbers because you're, they're also used for tests. So you flip them over and depending upon what the number is on there, that's what you add to the test that you're doing. Uh, but they have twice as many twos through fives and they have ones through sixes. So I thought it was a cool way of giving a little bit more of control uh, than just rolling a die every time for a test. And so I, th I thought that was cool. Uh, but I will say with combat, uh, I don't know if you guys felt this, but a lot of times with combat, it was always like, well, okay, I need a five or a six almost always, you know, until I get that really good weapon. And then once you get that really good weapon, you'd spam that weapon. But until that point, it's almost always like you needed those fives and sixes on those fate cards. And it was, yeah, that was sometimes annoying. I didn't love how combat worked. Uh, I loved how the puzzle was, but I didn't love that uh, there was many times where I was like, well, I'm just going to flip a fake card. Okay, I didn't I didn't do it. I, I failed. So then I dealt one damage and I get hammered and then we're not any closer to completing this little mini game. 
Um, so anyways, sorry, that was just a side point. But overall, the fake cards are positive for me. I like how they're multi-use in three different ways. What do you guys think about those fake cards? I mean, I'll discuss them later, but Baron, do you have them on your list? Nope, I don't have my list, so I'll say yes, positive for me. Um, I just kind of can, I guess I, I didn't even think about that, Colin. You, you brought up a really good point. I really did like the fake cards. I like the way they worked. And yes, you're right. That was one of the main ways you could actually do cooperations outside of using to- those fa- those uh, command points. So that really helps for sure, especially I could see that helping with a lot of people. With When you you and I just played it, there was, we didn't, we, we I guess we did use them quite a bit on each other's turns, I think about it, especially when we found out we're going to lose them. <laughs> yeah, I think the first, the first part of that event deck, we didn't, because we're like, oh, we're going to level up our characters. But then later, we're like, oh, I'm just going to lose it anyways. Here, I'm going to give you an extra, you know, strength or, or savviness so you can pass that test. All right, uh, so we went out of order a bit, but Baron, uh, what's your number two? Um, Number two, what do I got here? It says, uh, Let's see if I can read my writing. Did it get drenched by the rain? <laughs> no, that would that 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 at least I would have an excuse here. <laughs> yeah, but, but by the way, for the podcast audience out there, we had to take a break of quite a while because both Barrett and Colin, who live near each other, had a tornado a warning like rolling through their area. So they were in the basement and lots of rain and leakage and terribleness. So glad you guys survived and you're here to record some more. We did. Yes, we, yes, we did. We survived. I, and so my number two has to do with like, I think it's something you touched on, Mike, was the whole uh, questing system and the decisions that you make kind of matter and they kind of close off other things that happen. Like you could interact with a certain group that might actually close off something else that happens with another group uh, somewhere in there. I, Colin and I experienced one where we actually helped something and then that thing, because we had that keyword, came and helped us in a whole other area, which I thought was really cool. Um, I really wish there was, a, there, sadly, there wasn't as much that as I was hoping there would be, but there still is some of it, which made things pretty neat. Like I spent this whole, I probably almost one, one time through the deck working with this one group. And after I finished working with that group, I went back to this port city where I needed to go heal my guys because of course I got rocked and, (laughs) and I went there. They're like, do you have this keyword? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, sorry. They don't want to talk to you. I'm like, oh my gosh, really? (laughs) They closed off that whole thing for me. So then of course, if I wanted to play again, talk about replay value and later on down the road, you'd be able to maybe do that instead of that other one. Because of course your goal is to get these totems and they're all over the place. And I probably got a totem from there. I guarantee I did. Um, But I didn't get the one from the city then. So I'd have to play it again to get the one from the city because I've already closed it off. So I think it's cool that these decisions matter and everywhere you go in this world actually is going to give you something or a little clue about something that you can try to piece together. Sometimes it's overwhelming. You got a whole list of cards because as you get these keywords, you get these keyword cards are all over the place and you, and it, you just have to try to figure out, okay, now where should I go to try to figure this out? And like Mike said, it gives you a little thing like, oh, an island in the east. Okay, I'm on the farthest west possible planet. How east do I have to go? And so you kind of have to figure that out. And that's, I think, one of the cool things about it. All right, uh, Colin, should we keep our, our wrong order and I'll go next? Okay, sure. That sounds good. <laughs> Does he get a little bit of break? So my number two is a full-on pro, and that is uh, the the narrative and kind of like the world building. Now. I say full on pro, but it, it is not as high as the narrative for like role player adventures for me personally. I still think it's great writing. I think it's a cool world. I think like the factions you interact with and the places you go are fascinating. I think uh, like Baron said, kind of the connectivity and feeling like the things you do matter. Like that's really cool. And, and again, like Baron said earlier, just like the idea of going to a place and you're like something fun happens there. Something interesting happens there. I'm, I'm down for all of that. The, the one caveat here again to my personal taste is... 
Um, I, I didn't always feel like there was like a through line. And yes, you're like trying to get home, but like, I don't know. I, I felt like sometimes I was kind of wandering around. It, it's sort of uh, to compare it to video games. Like if you guys have played any of like the Fallout games or Skyrim, I, I was missing that main quest line, you know? Like in Skyrim, you got to go and get the Dragonborn powers on the mountain. Then you got to go do this and you got to do that. And and in between, you can go become like a wizard or you can go become a thief or you can go do like do vampire stuff or whatever. But like when I want to, there's like a main story that I can go and finish. And this one, like it felt like the main story is like, hi, I'm here again at the end of the game. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember you. <laughs> but but like until then, it was just kind of I'm just gallivanting around, which which can be great. And and I'm I'm less a fan of like sandbox games. I'm not as much of a fan as like Zaya as Colin is. So I think, again, this is a personal thing. But overall, I'll say that I think the story is very well done. I'll talk about that later. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, there's not too much later because it's your number yeah. two right now. Yeah. So it's not it's not my number two. You can imagine what it might be. Uh, yeah, my, I wonder. I wonder. It's mystery. <laughs> my, my number two, though, actually is leaning a negative, and that is the encounters. So uh, it sounds funny, but uh, I don't love how all the encounters work. Uh, so you get what a total of two actions a turn, I believe if I'm remembering right. And, and you have to spend one to generally move somewhere. Right. And so you're going to move the boat to the right place. And then, and then you're going to spend an action to do this encounter and then your turn ends. And then it's the next person's turn and you're already drawing the next terrible event card. And you have to deal with the next terrible thing before you can even get on with the actual story that you're interested in. Uh, so, and, and what I was finding with the encounters is first of all, when you don't know exactly where to go, it, like you were talking about before, you you go to this pillar, and that's not the right pillar. You go to that pillar, it's not the right pillar. I thought it was that rock in the east. Apparently, it's the other rock in the east. And, uh, you know, that just eats away the time of the game so fast when you just don't have a lot of actions. And then a lot of times what would happen is if you went to the wrong one, and they'd say, hey, do you have this keyword? And you say, no, I don't have that keyword because apparently I'm not on that quest. Either you would get pretty much nothing or you'd run into this big combat. And so you have to do the mini puzzle. Yep. And and one of the things I know that Ryan worked on fixing, I think he now has in the FAQs, you can escape combat. But technically, there is no way to escape combat in the rules. And so when you're playing it and you run into a load of dinosaurs right in the first get-go and you just get rocked, first of all, you're going to lose six event cards. That's six turns gone. You're, you're, all your characters are going to be dead. And and so then it, it almost feels like you don't want to do the encounters until you know which is the right spot to go to versus what I really want to have in this type of game is to feel like the world is open. And I want to just, I want to explore that spot and that spot and that spot. I don't even care what's there because we'll be able to deal with it. And yeah, it's going to, I might be a challenge, but it's not going to be something that's going to rock my world. But the problem is the game doesn't know where you are on those maps. You could be on a map right at the beginning when you don't have any of your leveled up abilities, or you could be on that map right at the end when you could just take out those dinosaurs with one weapon. So uh, that's part of the challenge of designing a game like this. Uh, but to me overall, I did not love the fact that I almost didn't want to explore certain areas just because of the potential combat that could then slow down the the story because then I had to go back and heal before I go to the next spot. So then that to me was a negative of how that worked. Now, when you have the main story or even just side quest story encounters, I loved those, but I didn't love the fact that I didn't want to check every nook and cranny. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's similar. It's touching on some of the same things that I felt for my number five. 
you know, like for me, it was more that I would waste so much time doing an encounter. So yeah, it is really the same. Like when you don't find the right thing, yes, Baron's right. Sometimes you get a cool thing, but sometimes you just get frustration and time wasting or you get punished for it. So yeah, it's definitely, it it is a harsh world to explore. And I feel like other games like Seventh Continent have the same potential issue. um, And it's not always fun. (laughs) But some games are better at determining where you are. So I'm just thinking of like Roombound for an example, because they don't level up the characters until act two. So you you go anywhere, you're gonna fight them with the basic chips for the for the enemies. But then in act two, they get a stronger chip. So the the game kind of knows where you are. But with Sleeping Gods, it doesn't matter if I go to this bush now or in chapter three, it's going to be the same enemies. And and so I kind of wish and I feel like they could have easily put something in of where are you within the event deck? Are you in the event one, two or three? And then have, you know, different levels of those enemy types. Uh, you know, it would have been and, and then that way people wouldn't get hosed right at the beginning or or fight little tiny rats at the end and go, well, why am I wasting my time? This is boring. I mean, I'm just doing this mini puzzle. That's not even a puzzle. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that kind of self-balancing would be good. All right, Baron, uh, number one, the big My number. number one, boom, number one, best thing you need to know about this game is you could, well, it's kind of, I think we've touched on a lot of this stuff already. You can go anywhere. You can, even in a new game plus, there's so much more there in front of you. There's replayability everywhere. Um, there's all these different things you can explore and see and find every time you try to play this game, which is really cool. Colin and I played one adventure. Colin and I went on separate adventures on separate playthroughs. We told each other we weren't going to launch our playthroughs till we were done. And we went completely different places and saw new and exciting things. Both of us did. I spent almost an entire deck on one map. I checked every single place and you can do that. Or you can go running around all over the place. Now, the only thing I have to say about the new game plus concept is that once you've played through the game one time, I've noticed that i found out kind of how to do it like i kind of figured out okay when it's saying this i think i know exactly where that's probably going to be where when colin and i first played it it said like oh you got to go here and colin do you remember we i took us on a huge giant magical mystery tour through like i think two whole boards looking for a keyword and we never found it <laughs> well, I think so. A lot of times, okay. Here's a quick spoiler. Uh, a lot of times, so if you if you don't want this, jump ahead. Uh, but a lot of times, when they say, "Hey, go to the East Island" or something, they generally are talking about the same Atlas yes. page. Yeah, that took me a while to figure out. Too. Yeah, we didn't know that, so we were like, "Oh, let's go all the way over east into this area," and then we're trying to find it, and instead we're finding dinosaurs instead of you know whatever the heck we're trying to find. <laughs> it, it, you know. It gave us the mine keyword. And we're like looking through all these pages going, what looks like a mine? That looks like a mine. Let's go over there. We got there. It's like, do you have serpent? not a mine. It's oh, not a mine. Have, <laughs> I don't have serpent at all. Why does that look like a Oh, so then I'm telling Colin, oh, maybe on this page over here, that might look like a mine. So like, <laughs> finally, we were like, I don't know where this mine is. But yeah, it, like Colin said, and with spoiling a little bit, once you kind of figure out how this game was put together and what's in store for you you can figure out not only where most of this stuff is in relation to where you are but also when you're reading through it what you really need to feel like it's time to dump stuff to make skill checks and when to kind of say you know what not the end of the world if i miss this one i think i'm going to back off on this one not waste any of my resources and just let it fly instead of thinking you have to like make it through every single skill checks that's yeah. there if you're, you're going to fail if you do that you're right yeah so there are some where you just like look at them and go okay i'm reading between the lines here i think i'm okay if i fail this one 
So when you do play a new game plus, it usually can go a lot faster because you know what you're looking for, how to look for it, and you can find a lot more totems. I think we both found more totems our second play than we did our first play again. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, yeah. So that's my number one. My number one is that this game can be replayed, obviously, even more than three times, at least for Colin and I. I mean, I could have gone on the same mission Colin did by myself without seeing his playthrough. He could have gone on the same one I did without seeing my playthrough. And we did one together. And there is still more out there to find that I we haven't found yet. So unlike, but sadly, like Colin said, sometimes the balance issue is because it doesn't know where you are in the game. Because if you all of a sudden, I'm going to go up to the third map to the northeast because we've never been there. Well, if you go right up there right away, it might be a little tough or it might be real easy. You never know. All right. So uh, my number one, I guess nobody else is going to mention this specifically. It kind of came up in our in our uh, player count problem uh, one. But yeah, I... Well, actually, this is a mix because because I, I kind of put two things together. I, I love the multi-use cards. I, I think the the core skill test system is cool, and I do like the mitigation of playing the cards in your hand. Um, you know, the leveling up is not as interesting, but the playing is cool. Uh, on the negative side of not quite the same thing, but it's all kind of related. Good lord, the sprawl. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> By the end of like my first campaign, where I did very well in my first campaign, I actually had more trouble in my second campaign. Um, I don't know. I feel like I had like 80 items, 50 keyword cards, plus nine characters, each with their upgrades, and then I'm tracking whether they're like exhausted or not. And yes, it probably would have been better if I was playing two player. That was a solo campaign, my first one. But yeah, man, I, I found it. it may, maybe fiddly's not the right word, but. Like keeping track of what bonuses I get and which abilities I have, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't even like splay them out and look at all of them at the same time. I had to like just dig through these decks of cards. You know, it's. Um, I, I think that I don't know if they're changing this specifically for the new version, but I think that in, in multiple ways the game is really a burden to just run. Which is kind of unfortunate because the core mechanic of the fate deck I think is really smooth and clean. The core mechanic of like this going through the atlas and like reading stuff that doesn't take up too much space. That's not too complicated. And then all this other stuff on top of it. I, I feel like I could have done with so much less. You know what I mean? Like if they were like, you can only keep like five items or they degrade over time or like you spend them or you give them to people or something. Or if only had three characters, you know, and like you could like exhaust. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I didn't need all those cards. I didn't need all those bonuses. Like the core concept was fine. I, I feel like if they had just like trusted it, <laughs> I would have enjoyed my core experience better, but I still do think that the way the tests work is really well done. And I, I found that consistently interesting and tense when I would flip the card to see like whether I succeeded or failed. So yeah, it's, it's a mixed bag at the end for me. Yeah. I, I feel like what they could have done with things like the recipe cards and, and um, you know, what are those, you've had all those adventure cards that gave you abilities that then you put a command token on and then you'd have to wait till you um, uh, did some sort of action on the boat to get them all back. Uh, <clears throat> those could have been one-time use cards. You use them and then they get put back in. Now, from what I understand with the new game, and we'll talk more about this later, uh, but the, you know, instead of having items that are individual to people, you're going to have an item deck. So you're going to, if you gain a weapon, it's going to go into this weapon deck and then you're going to draw four weapon cards and then use them for your characters when it's um, your turn to fight. So I think they are doing a lot of things to fix that. Um, but yeah, the sprawl was real. 
for whatever reason, you're talking to two people that play a lot of dungeon crawlers. So to us, we're used to sprawls. So I guess I didn't feel it as much as you probably did. I didn't even put that in my top five because I, I felt fine with, with the amount of stuff that I had on the table. Um, also, I probably didn't get as much stuff as you did. <laughs> well, I did have sort of a blessed like first run. Like I, I was kicking some butt. <laughs> yeah. So, and, 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 you know, if you weren't, if you weren't losing any combats, or, you know, doing really well on combat so you didn't have to jump back to port every other time to heal or use up all your recipes, um, then, yeah, that can happen. That It is kind of a snowball game. If you're doing well, you're going to be able to keep exploring more, so you're going to see more, and you're going to get more cards, and all of a sudden you're just going to get more and more and more and more and more. It's definitely a more is better game. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Okay, so my number one. Uh, my number one is uh, definitely a positive. We've talked about it a ton, so I'm not going to delve into it deeply, but I just love... I know that you, Mike, love having an overarching story and then having those small side quests along the way. And I love that too. But there's something to me in this game about you go to this location. Okay, I'm just imagining my playthrough. And there was a map, one of the expansion maps, and I went there and I had this ridiculously amazing storyline there. And this whole thing went on there and I was having so much fun. It was great. And then it ended. And then I was like, oh. It's not even the end of the game. Now I can go over here. So I went over to this other place and I found a whole nother awesome storyline. I was going through all this and then the stupid game ended. I'm like, what? (laughs) Uh, So uh, for me, I just loved exploring the world as as just the way that it is. So I I didn't feel like I I, like I said, with my third playthrough, I actually wanted to get rid of the main storyline and just go and explore all the small ones. That's really what I actually liked more was the small uh, the the small uh, stories that maybe wouldn't really connect, but you could kind of mentally connect how you went from one to the other and how they were relating into this world. And oh, yeah, I, for me, what I just want to do at some point is just sit down, open that book and just kind of go through the locations, read what's happening and and just experience it that way and not worry about the combat, not worry about whatever and just enjoy the stories because I feel like Ryan does a solid job of those one-off little stories that make me interested. I mean, Near and Far was one that I really liked. Uh, I just don't play it a ton anymore, but that same thing. You had these small little stories, and and that's something that I definitely enjoy. I 100% agree with you, Colin. I mean, when I did my second playthrough on my channel, I stayed in one spot the entire time almost because that whole area was super cool to me. I was like, oh my gosh, look at all this stuff going on. And like you said, it's like, all right, and then you're done. And I'm like, but I had two more places I wanted to go and I go there (laughs) or like I'm about to do something really awesome there all of a sudden. Oh, and now you get to the second part of the campaign and you lose all your stuff and you got to, you're stuck in your, you're still in that one spot, but you don't have any upgrade cards anymore. And you're all of a sudden, I know that I'm kind of getting near the point where I'm going to probably have to do a totem because there's been a lot of story going on. I'm like, I'm probably gonna get rocked by whatever is here. This is going to be terrible. But it was super cool to be able to experience those like little things inside this game. Like you said, it was just so cool. Like one whole map. I was in one map for just one whole time because there's just so many cool things happening there. I don't know. I, I agree with you. A hundred percent. It was super cool to see all these little things happening inside the game. And I, none of us talked about the event deck. Uh, but I'm curious what you guys thought. I I liked that the first set of cards for you know the beginning, because you, you so I how you create the event deck for each chapter. I'm calling them chapters. I don't exactly know what you want to call them, but there's three sections of the game. You do three sections and then you have a final story. And so each section of that, you'll have level one danger cards, level two and level three. Uh, 
I liked the level ones because there were some good things and some bad things. It was great. Level twos were mostly bad and level threes were just like, kill me now. Um, just <laughs> get me to the end of the, this chapter so that then I get the okay um, event cards. I don't know why games always feel like they have to throw things that are totally unimportant <laughs> to the story just to slow you down. And, and that... I don't know why I didn't bring the event deck up because that is something that was really annoying. And I do think that they are fixing a bit in the new version because you can deal with them in future turns versus Mm. now you'd flip that event card. Boom. I got to deal with this cunning nine test. All my people are totally exhausted of any sort of cunning on them. So I'm just flipping a fake card. Well, guess what? There's one through sixes. I ain't getting a nine. So that's a fail. Which means that now my boat's taking four damage. So then now I got to go and try and repair my boat instead of telling, seeing this cool story. And so it's all from an event card that was totally random. And and so I don't know what it is with game design, but people love doing that, creating these challenges with random event cards. I don't love that. I I would I would much prefer to have the fun of using my characters for the stories, not for the event cards. You, you know, uh, and uh, I don't know what you guys thought about that. I'll, I'll agree with you, but I, I don't think it really it I'm, I'm sure it hampered me, but it wasn't hampering me enough to remember how bad it was. That's 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 to me. I, I otherwise it probably would have made, made a list. It didn't make a list. Um, so it, it they were there. They were things I had to I was annoyed with. But and again, I think well, when then, then when you said the word then my ship took four damage, a lot of times it's like my ship took damage. It really didn't matter. I mean, eventually I had to get hit a port and I'd take care of it. But it. What, I never got to a point where my ship was like crucially worried. I was worried about my ship ever. But, Did you get but attacked I, by a serpent that was following you from page to page? No, but I was looking for the keyword serpent for about three plays. We might have to talk later about where you found the serpent. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> we'll, we'll stop talking. <laughs> All right. I think we're ready for final thoughts. Sorry, Mike. Yeah, and we'll try to keep them quick because I know this episode is a little bit long. Um, I, I'll go first. Uh, I, I like this one a lot. Um, it, it is interesting to compare it to, uh, seventh continent upcoming seven Citadel and role player adventures. Cause I think they all have like some similar DNA. I'd say at this point between seventh continent role player adventures and sleeping gods, sleeping gods would be in third place for me, but I still think it's a very enjoyable game. Uh, the reason it's third is because <laughs> I hate to say, it, but it is the one you, you mentioned this con. It is the one that at this point, after playing two full campaigns and kind of being frustrated with some of the mechanical elements and like some of the grind, it is the one out of those three where I would feel most happy just reading the book and being like, yeah, what's here? Okay. That's cool. Oh, well, what was this one? Okay. That's neat. Whereas like role player adventures has major balance issues. Although they have, I, I haven't tried it yet. They made a like official variant to make the game harder. That looks pretty oh. good. Oh, so yeah, yeah. We need to try that Colin, and report back. Um, but yeah, besides the balance issues, role player adventures, I'm like, heck yeah, man, let's play again. I want to make different choices. And Seventh Continent is, you know, frustrating in different ways, but it's also always a blast and just like an amazing adventure. Um, so yeah, so, so this is a, it's a mixed recommendation. If you like these big narrative games, if you like kind of the sandbox exploration, and if you think you can either play with one or two players, I wouldn't play with more than that. And if you, uh, you know, can get past some of the annoying parts, I think this, there's a great story here. There are some really cool mechanics and uh, a lot of fun. A lot of this, like, exciting exploration to be had. 
Me, I think I'd go about the same as you, Mike, though. I, and actually probably rank those at about the same place, but it's so hard because I like all those games for certain different reasons. I don't know if I could put any. I really do enjoy Seventh Continent, but like you said, it can get really frustrating at times. Um, this game, I, I, I think there's a lot going on that are good. And I like the fact that it almost feels like, like the games we're talking about, we kind of got their first iterations. And things now are coming down the line that I think they're improving after seeing how many other people in the community have played it and have talked to these people or have posted things about it and seeing the uh, seven citadel coming out and also the new one for this game what was it called no, no that was terrible huh <laughs> hey man this, this is live go <laughs> <laughs> you think i'm editing out portions of this you think i've got free time for that no, no editing. I'm letting it roll, baby. This is Sleeping Gods of the Sky. I can't remember the name of it. I have some Carol. I actually wrote that Distant down. Skies. Distant Skies. Thank you. I've got like one through five on here. I can barely read those. <laughs> I don't the name of the thing. That's fantastic. But I, I do like that the actually he's the, the creators have gone through and learned from what other people have said and are going forward with this. Like uh, the co-op thing, I know they're changing where it's now going to be like a deck so you don't have to worry about, I mean, command tokens and all of a sudden you can't do anything on certain turns. Um, I, the combat Combat's changed quite a bit. It's a deck as well. And so every turn you're going to draw these cards that you can use, which I think is going to be pretty cool. Uh, I I believe you don't lose your upgrades or even gain upgrades. I think there was something about how I I saw something about it, but he's changed that as well. So like all these things we're talking about, he's making better if they're not already good already. So I think that's really cool coming down the line to see all these neat changes. And I'm super, super excited for this one to come out. I guarantee you, (laughs) I'll be doing a playthrough. I'm sure Carl will be doing a playthrough. I'll probably play it together again who knows it'll be a lot of fun when this thing comes out and it's, it's just cool to see designers listening to the community yeah you guys i mean i don't think i can add much i will just add this uh you have your order wrong because seventh continent is the worst by far i don't know what you guys are talking about you, you and Peter just <laughs> uh, do not like that game yeah. oh man i just was not a fan uh i i would definitely go seventh continent then Sleeping Gods, then Role Player Adventures, with Role Player Adventures substantially higher than the other two. And, and isn't it beautiful? I mean, Colin, again, both of us are like, gosh, Role Player Adventures, why is your difficulty so wrong? It, it, we still love it. So think if this variant helps. <laughs> like how I know, great that would it's be. Gonna be. It's going to be amazing. But above all of that, though, if you're looking for a puzzly adventure game, I'd go Unsettled. I mean, that that you're going to get. Yeah, because you can play it one time, one off. You're not looking at trying to do a campaign. Each planet's got three scenarios that you can do. So you can you get some replayability on the each planet that you get. Uh, they're going to have uh, with the new campaign that they just did. You're going to get a ton more planets. You get even more tasks for the same planets. Yeah, I just I feel like all of these uh, you know, these adventure games are great, especially that you like puzzles that are great. But for me, still unsettled just is above all of them. I, and I, I don't know if it's the writing or if it's the just the co-op nature of that game, but uh, this one, I just felt like co-op was so limited by those command tokens, and and it was just such a bummer. Uh, so overall, I, I would recommend it if you enjoy having not a main scenario you know, or a main storyline. There is one there, but you're really going to be... The most of what's enjoyable of it is seeing all the side stories. And you are going to get replayability, uh, because you've got so many lo- locations that you can go to, but what's going to prevent you from seeing everything is you're just going to run out of time from p- combat puzzles and getting random event cards. And so you have to be okay with that. If you're okay with that, then this game is totally for you. Yeah. You know what? I, I, just, I didn't know when said it was in the mix. Um, 
I do think these games offer something different. Uh, I get a different sense of exploration in Unsettled than like kind of the like big world I'm exploring. You know what I mean? Because Unsettled That's is like true. randomized and stuff. But oh my gosh, like none of those three compare <laughs> even a tiny bit to Unsettled, especially for its cooperative play. So I 100% agree with you. Like I- I'm all in for the new campaign. I love that game. Yeah, I guess I just think of it as an adventure game still to me. And and maybe that's why. So I kind of put it in the same. But I see what you're saying. It's definitely not story as story driven. uh, And it's not uh, so focused on this one single lore because I mean, you're going to different planets. But for whatever reason, I put them in the same bucket. I don't know why you feel like Seventh Continent as much as you did. You didn't do like a 21 episode playthrough on your channel, I think. And immediately right? sold it. I mean, I mean, Barrett, Barrett is required to like Seventh Continent. Otherwise, you'd just be embarrassed. You know, it's like if you're suddenly like, ah, KDM, I don't really care that much about that. Like, <laughs> I mean, you just have to. Four episode playlist. It's, it's, a, it's a C minus. <laughs> hey, I have to say, I played Sword and Sorcery all the way through, and right now I'm pretty sour on Sword and Sorcery. That's true. So it happens. That's a good it point. can happen. See, it I, can happen. I only made it through the first box uh, through five or yeah. six missions or whatever it was, and I was like, yep, this is not for me. <laughs> 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 all right, uh, real quick, uh, we've mentioned it a bit, but Colin, I think you've looked up the most details. So what are you excited for with Distant Skies? Just really fast. Oh, yeah. I mean, just the big things are the weapons. No longer are you having individual weapons. You're going to have a weapon deck, and so you'll draw from that during combat. Uh, and then instead with combat now when you play in regular sleeping gods every time you attack they counterattack. and then if you don't just defeat them at the end of the round all of the enemies will attack you a second time i mean it's, it's insane uh and it's a challenge it's a good challenge but sometimes it can be like i said overwhelming uh in this one the enemies will just counterattack, and that's it there's no end of round combat and then you'll draw from this weapon deck again uh, each turn and so you can save certain weapons and maybe use them on certain characters uh, and I just really like that uh, that addition uh, also there's the plane mechanic so it's going to be a lot easier to move around than in the boat and you can go to different areas and there'll be like plane locations and you can jump to totally different sides of the map so you can explore more easily uh, I'm excited for that uh, yeah, I think those are the those are the big things that I was excited for. What about you guys? I'm excited for the fact that they're actually they give you like six places you're going to go, and then as you play through the game, more places are going to be able to be opened up with the plane. So, like depending on how you go through this, you might not get card number forty two that the plane can even fly to, but somebody else might. So it's like a whole other area. Yeah, I think it's cool that they that they can do that. They can like, okay, here's your six basic ones, but then you're going to unlock these other places to fly to. That's cool. You know what I'm most excited about. Uh, besides what you all said already, uh, the fact that now I get to control 35 unique characters, <laughs> each with their own exhaustion mechanic. No, no, I'm kidding. Uh, the fact that they are going down in the number of characters. Yeah, I think it's is, only five, right? Is the exact, yeah, I think that's right. It's the exact direction I want. You know, first of all, I, I'm not sure about this, but I'm hopeful that it makes co-op a little bit better. But I don't know if that's the case. Um, but yeah, the idea that I can play like at a higher player count, maybe each person like kind of owns one person. We'll have to see if the mechanics kind of hold up with that. Yeah, also, so how... Uh, no, sorry, how it works, I just want to say how it works is you'll have your one character and then you have the captain. You know how you always had the captain? So it's going to be the same thing where you will have your single character if you're playing four player. And then whenever it's your active turn, you'll also have the captain that you can use. So same thing, which I think is great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anything is better than nine. Yes, <laughs> you know, any, exactly. any player count, basically. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I'm excited for everything. And yeah, the, the plane does sound cool, too. Uh, like, I, I'm a big fan of... Um, did you play Baron the uh, As Above So Below expansion for Seventh Continent with the air balloon? 
Oh yeah, that brought about a whole new way to play that game. Yeah, was, and, and it's the same cool. kind of thing. Like it's really cool, especially once that that's an expansion that's very valuable once you know the continent pretty well, like I do, and kind of know where things are. The power to like jump in my balloon and be like, all right, I need to get over to the swamp. Okay, let's go to the swamp. You know, and, like not spend an hour getting there. <laughs> I, I think that's really cool. So yeah, something similar here is uh, a boon in my mind. It's it's almost it's not fast travel, but it's maybe like the closest we'll get with this kind of game. Yeah, I mean, in the seventh count, just because of the balloon you're talking about, I thought it was neat that like you'd have like your balloon would go on to card, let's say 16, and you look at it be like a small little opening in the clouds. And you're like, oh my gosh, I know that's card like 74 from the continent. I know what's in that area. I could go there and like do a hunt, or I could go there and go like maybe check this out, and or maybe that's exactly what they're looking for. So yeah, there's that. I think that's gonna be cool. I like how they do that in this one. Yeah, it, it doubled down on one of the things I think is coolest with seventh continent, which is learning the continent and like the the idea that you feel like as you go through campaign after campaign campaign and sleeping gods has this too and this is uh, kind of what i was talking about uh, unsettled missing colin I, I don't go into unsettled and feel like i know that i mean I, I feel like i know the scenario and what i'll need to do but in a negative way like i better remember to do this thing <laughs> you know what yes. i mean yeah 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 now, again don't get me wrong unsettled is still the highest of those four i love unsettled but yes it, it's a little bit of a different thing in some ways i'd love unsettled a lot too but i still haven't got it from colin well not my fault you haven't gotten picked know, it up i know <laughs> I was about to say, he's not giving it to you. That's just a bummer right there because he's, he's, you have to pry it out of his cold, dead hands. That's uh, right. Maybe, maybe if there, a tornado goes through, you know, you can go to the rubble of his house and see if Unsettled is uh, undamaged. Oh, there's Colin laying on the ground. Oh, you doing okay? Oh, okay, okay. We'll get oh, I'll be right like, back, Colin. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. I just got to check something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right man. well uh everyone thanks for listening to the podcast sorry we went a little bit long but uh, you know th three people with strong opinions that's what you're gonna get uh thanks colin and barrett for uh making time for this thanks for having us it's so awesome to be here thank you thank you yeah we look forward to i'm sure uh several of us will get distance guys we'll have some coverage of that once that one's all done and we can compare uh bye bye everybody bye take care Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop. Or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list. Are you kidding me? I have to unlock my phone before I hear the weather. Uh-oh, I just died in a tornado. Thanks, Siri. <laughs> <laughs>